Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 22, Alone at the Top. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon organizes a picnic party to welcome Kelly home from the cult. This is the perfect place for President Brandon to find out there is crime on this campus that he's been soft on. Since apparently campus security isn't doing anything about a rash of recent bicycle thefts, the students have decided it's his problem. David makes a new friend in the dorms who Claire thinks is super creepy. She's not entirely wrong. I think everyone knew someone like Lenny in college. Seems a little old for the dorms, ex-military, kind of sketches out your girlfriend, and likes Pearl Jam. (laughs) When the crime spree on campus takes a violent turn, David is horrified to find out that Lenny is a suspect. Val buys Rush's share of the pee pad so she can threaten to fire Ray if he won't bang her some more. Who better to celebrate this with than Dylan over some fancy pot? Dylan's like, no, bye, but Val leaves him a joint to tempt him away from his sobriety. Luckily, he has a friend from rehab to open up to about his struggles. Steve is super pissed when he finds out the change in the pee pad ownership. Pissed enough that he isn't hungry for fancy lunch with dad until he sees his commission check on the sale. That he totally earned. (laughs) Ray decides to solve his problems by running away for an open-ended college town tour. Before he leaves, Ray tries to come clean about Val in a very obscure fashion that probably wasn't really happening anyway, but whatever. (laughs) Um, But Donna doesn't let him finish because he leads up the whole thing with I love you, and that's really all that matters. We open the episode at... Luann and Ray's house and Val calls once again and what I've learned about Luann is she's essentially like a wing woman but also not because <laughs> she's not trying to keep Ray with Val she's technically trying to keep Ray with Donna but the commonality between the two is she just has a habit of lying to girls about Ray's whereabouts and she has one lie yeah exactly she's like you just missed him (laughs) every time she's like he just got in the truck and left yeah like if i was val or donna i'd be like is he running yeah you pick up the phone and he takes off (laughs) exactly well because think about it i mean it makes sense and it must have been a lot easier to lie back then because yeah you can't track somebody's cell phone or like go meet them somewhere where you know they're gonna be because who knows this guy could just be gone I just, I love it. I love it so much that every time she's like, oh, you just missed him. And then Ray is standing right there. I know. And yes, we go to the other side of the conversation where Val is in her hotel room and there's a knock at the door and it's Rush Sanders and she's wearing an off the shoulder little mini dress. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I had a moment. I was like, what is happening here? Especially because I made the realization that he kind of looks like Urban Meyer. (laughs) Which, for non-football fans out there, he's the current Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. used to be Ohio State uh, football coach, but also just a real piece of shit. (laughs) And it also doesn't help that he has a history, Urban Meyer, that is, of being with much younger women. So you can understand why I might have been nervous (laughs) to see Rush Sanders here. Well, and then Val pours him a scotch on the rocks or whatever. Yeah. I was like, she's like 20. Exactly. I was like, why are you alone in a hotel room with 
a child, basically. And drinking with her. Like, mm-hmm. literally the last time we saw this was Jonesy, who was trying to sleep with Val. Exactly. I mean, I guess, like, on the bright side, Rush kind of shut that down quickly. Thankfully. Thankfully, yeah. But then, you know, basically says, like, why am I here? And she's like, well, I've heard everything's for sale. And he's like, well, no, everything's negotiable, which... As fair. a businessman, yeah, fair. And she just wants to take the pee pad off of Rush, Rush's hands. Um, and you can easily tell here that, like, that's going to happen. Like, there's no, like, cliffhanger or doubt. It's just like, yep, okay, well, now this is happening. Which is very interesting to me because I kind of feel like Rush as a businessman would be like, oh, but there's money in this. And, like, right. I have a return, like, a constant return coming in. Right. So... You know, I have to wonder how much he charged her for it. That and, well, yeah, because you'd have to think he would have to make a sizable profit off of this, right? Like, unless he he just says that later. Right. Unless he just wants to get out of it and it was not necessarily looking for a reason to get out. But now that the opportunity is here, he's like, you're young and um, know nothing about business. Apparently have money to spend. Yeah. So why don't I name my price and then get out of this and not have to deal with teenagers and young adults i know that would be my favorite part is like i don't have to work with teenagers anymore exactly all my son's friends (laughs) which yeah i don't remember if they mentioned later in the episode because honestly half paying attention does rush know that steve and val were a thing i don't think so okay if he did he doesn't allude to it that was it didn't sound like it and then Steve asked him later if he slept with Valerie which like I could see it being like oh because you slept with Valerie or also be like oh because you were friends with her. Right. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know, but like you said there is no question about this. Like we know that he's going to sell her and he's going to walk away and now she's going to own the peach pad and essentially raise future. Mhm. So then the credits happen. We get a lot of B-roll of campus. <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. It's the flower shops and Rodeo Drive all over again. It's a lot. And Brandon is taking somewhere, Kelly somewhere, with a blindfold on. And we find out it's a picnic with all of her friends, which was adorable, until everyone bailed immediately. <laughs> yeah, like, the second Kelly's, Kelly gets there, Donna and Dylan both are like, Awesome. Especially Dylan, who was like, even though I just got here, I'm also going to leave. <laughs> yeah, I. it was kind of adorable that Donna was like, I hate to not eat and run, but I'm doing that. But right. Dylan literally like walked up, said, welcome back, and left. Yeah, exactly. Which you can tell Dylan's like conflicted about the whole thing to begin with, as we then even see later on in the episode. But Kelly doesn't seem too upset that two of her best <laughs> friends just were like, hey, bye, and then are gone. Well, and I think even Claire is just like, we got to hurry this up because I have class to get to. True. That's true. And then a bunch of randos that are just in the background. Which I know. We didn't need them. We didn't. Like, we can, we're we fine. The friend group is large enough. Right. <laughs> no, I noticed that. And I was like, I mean, I guess they're with the picnic. But what if they just had their own picnic, like, <laughs> way too close to this picnic? Or, like, they were the ones that really had a picnic and... <laughs> The gang didn't prepare, so I was like, ooh, let's go to that picnic and say it was our picnic. <laughs> They're like, we'll distract him. You get up to the sign and just scratch it out and write Kelly on it. <laughs> it's like, um, what was it? Is it in the office where they do that? No, what am I thinking of? Oh, I'm thinking Gilmore Girls, obviously. When uh, 
like uh, Lorelai and Rory have to plan a last minute baby shower for Suki, and Rory goes and buys all the like Happy New Year cost <laughs> uh, stuff decorations because they didn't have anything. It was last minute, so she was like, "We'll just cross out New Year and write baby." <laughs> <laughs> And see, I was thinking of New Girl when it's Jess's birthday and Nick plans that whole thing for her, but they keep, like, rushing through everything. He was like, she's going to sleep in. It's going to be oh, fine. Oh, yeah. And then she wakes up at 7 and you see he takes her to the park and there's the little kid's birthday party and she's like, oh, my God, you put a surprise party. And she just starts eating the cupcakes. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah. Way better ideas than this. <laughs> I just thought of The Office because of – um the evite to like ryan's corporate party or whatever and then they make a banner and it says lunch party and then kevin's (laughs) like well what if you just turn the u into an a and then angela's like because then it would say lunch party would it really be better if it said lunch party So apparently this idea that you just make up a party off of another party is common (laughs) I mean, it's a good idea. I wouldn't be mad about it if that's really what happened. Yeah. So many times, I just want an episode of 90210 that takes place with, like, peripheral people of just, like, seeing the gang. And they're just like, oh, my God, it's them again. That would be amazing. Like, if we got perspective from the Dean, if we got perspective from not Lenny in this episode, but another dorm mate of Mm -hmm. David's, if we got... A classmate or something. One of the people at the hospital who constantly sees Peter, like, putting himself on top of Andrea. The lady that almost catches them. Yeah. I want to see that. I, like, legitimately realized five minutes ago that I didn't say shit about Andrea in the synopsis. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not mad about that because I'm really fucking mad at her. I know. I'm so annoyed. And, like, it's just the same thing over and over again. So, like, whatever. Yep. Uh, did y'all also notice, I think Claire and David have slightly new haircuts this week, and I do not like David's haircut. Yeah, I didn't notice if Claire had a different haircut, but definitely in David, it's almost like they let his curls come out, but and then, they tried to contain them. Yeah, <laughs> it was very, it was very Peter. It was Peter. And Claire's eyebrows just keep getting thinner and thinner. Classic. She's very nearing, 90s. She, and nearing the early 2000s when you basically had none. You just had the one line. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, I think Claire's haircut went a little closer to Kelly's where it's just like a long bob that like mm-hmm. kind of flares. It's kind of like Florence Henderson yes. from Brady Bunch. Exactly. It's just like, I'm sure it was the style, but I keep noticing it because I'm like, it's like a lot of the girls have the same haircut. I know. With just like varying lengths. It's like either that or you just have very like long straight hair. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But anywho, um... Some random lady shows up at Kelly's picnic and is talking to David. So we don't know why she's talking to David, but she's like saying that someone stole four bikes. Oh, yeah, because she's like, hey, you have a bike, right? And he's like, no, ma'am, don't have a bike. (laughs) (laughs) Which I forgot he lived in the dorms. Like I've just not because I've assumed he just like goes off stage and then just like ceases to exist for a little while. Right. Like I'm like, where does David go at night? No one knows. (laughs) No one knows. He just reappears at the beach apartment. (laughs) But yeah, apparently he lives in the same dorm as this girl. And we find out that someone has stolen a bunch of bikes. And then Brandon's like, Well, did they call security? Yeah. I'm like, Brandon. 
I just don't understand why he's inserting himself into the, like he doesn't want to be in this conversation but he immediately inserts himself I know he's like let me get into problem solver mode but like pass it off to someone else yeah. at the same time he's like I don't want to be the problem solver but like did you do this yeah can I solve your problem and but course, I don't want to do it right and of course she's like well no that would be dumb because it's like dealing with Barney Fife <laughs> so the reason that donna had to leave was because she's gonna go to the pee pad and have dinner with ray or lunch with ray she's eating with ray Mm -hmm. and so ray is napping in his dressing room this is when val comes in and basically corners him oof and she is talking to ray but then donna shows up with food and i Assuming that was Yoohoo in the cups, but it looked really gross. Yeah, it was like a milkshake that had already melted from the distance between the peach pit and the pea pad. <laughs> yeah, it was a very ugly color of a drink, and I was like, that is not appetizing at all. And the food looked like jumbo shrimp. <laughs> I thought I could not figure out what she had because she just had this giant tray, and she was like, oh, I have food for three. And I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was onion rings. Maybe that's what it was, but it looked like jumbo shrimp. I thought it was... Uh, Garlic bread. (laughs) I could not. I was like, it's brown. The drinks are brown. It's unappetizing. (laughs) Quite the spread. Uh, But yeah, like once Donna walks in the door and sees Valerie with Ray, Val turns back on her like nice girl act and, you know, is like, oh, just, you know, talking to our guy here or whatever. And then like as soon as she leaves, Donna's like, what did she mean by our guy? And again, they're making Donna stupid. I know. And, like, there is technically this, like, kind of dual speak going on where, like, they're both sleeping with Ray, but then, like, Ray and Donna do not know that Val has bought the peach pit. Right. Or the pee pad, very specifically. So, like, that would also be a reason that Val would be like, oh, talking to our guy because he works for me and contractually obligated, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like... They're just making Donna stupid. Like, she was just wondering last episode, I think it was, of mm-hmm. where Ray has been going and, like, why his truck wasn't there and, right. like, all this stuff. But anyway, Ray says, you know, who knows? You can't take anything she says seriously. And Donna's just like, well, I like her. She's got style. And see, this is the problem is, you know, Val, as we've come to know her, is a master manipulator. And in the little interaction that she's had with Donna... She's given Donna no reason to believe that she would do anything to hurt her or to really do anything wrong. Like, she hasn't really been privy to that. Like, Kelly has, Brandon has, Dylan has, Steve has. So everyone but Donna, basically. Yeah. Well, with the exception of David and Claire. But they haven't really had many interactions with her either. So it's just an interesting thing to see Val because you know for a while we we saw her have that duality you know of a personality right like turn it on Val and then like manipulative Val Donna's still seeing those two sides or at least the one side um and Ray's seeing Val for who she actually is mm-hmm. but Ray is not necessarily getting in the way here like Kelly she saw right through Val and was trying to convince Brandon she was bad Ray's not doing anything which is I don't love No, he's trying to save his own ass, and, I mean, it comes up later in this episode where he talks about, like, well, I don't want to hurt Donna. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to Donna, and Val's like, you've been lying to Donna. Exactly. Like, it's it's this whole idea that Ray thinks that what he's doing 
he knows it could hurt her if she finds out, but I think he also truly thinks that if she never finds out, she never gets hurt. Exactly. And, I mean, kind of true, but also, like, really dick. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's bad, but it's also, like, Val could literally tell Donna whenever she wants to. And now, I don't think Donna would believe Val, but as soon as, as soon as Val tells Donna, let's just say she does, and then... Donna confronts Ray. It's all done regardless because Ray can't lie. He can't just say, no, she's lying or whatever. Mm -hmm. He could. I don't think he would. So it's this like almost like walking on a tightrope if we go back to (laughs) season whatever. And but instead of like the tightrope getting closer to the end, it's almost like the tightrope is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, it's like the veil that Ray has put up about Val is just getting thinner and thinner, and eventually it's all going to come crashing down. And you know what I think is going to be really interesting is that at some point, to some extent, Donna's just going to forgive them. Because, like, it's going to come out. Yeah. And it's going to happen. We know that Jamie Walters doesn't stay on the show, but I'm pretty sure Valerie stays on maybe through the end of the series. Mm-hmm. And so, like, at some point the show is going to have to do something to make her and Donna be friends again for the sake of just, like, having them on screen. Because it's just going to be too hard to have this big of a cast and be like, well, Valerie can't be in scenes with everybody else. True. Just because of, like, everything she's done. So the gang is going to have to forgive her when all Mm -hmm. this comes out. No, that's a good point. And I wonder, in Donna's book, what she would consider worse. The Ariel Hunter thing with David, where it was a one-time thing, and then she was out of the picture with David? Or... I guess, like, we we only know, uh, us, the viewers, that Ray and Val slept together twice, mm-hmm. maybe, like, that I can remember. But presumably, maybe it was a couple of other times. Like, it, it was more serial than just the one time with Ariel Hunter. Now, granted, situations are similar in the sense that another woman approached Ray and David to have sex because Donna would not. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder in her mind, is it worse because it happened more than once? Is it worse because Donna caught David? Or is it worse because Donna, or I'm sorry, Ray and Val have been lying about? Like, what's worse for her? Right? I feel like you need like a, not like a pros and cons list, but you need both. But the thing is like, I'm pretty sure David and Ariel were sleeping together a couple of times because Donna asked, like, was this the first time? And David says no. That's a good point. Okay. But then you also, talking about Ariel Hunter, have to say that, like, she came back into Donna's life and Mm -hmm. Ray turned her down. True. But then he turned her down and specifically told Donna he turned her down literally right before he slept with one of her friends. Right. And does that, is that what the difference is? Is a friend versus not a friend? Yeah, because Donna in the past couple episodes has been, like, increasingly liking Valerie more and more. And questioning Ray. Mm -hmm. Like, where have you been? What have you been up to? Why is she saying our girl? Like, you can tell she's getting more insecure by Val, but also likes Val. So it's weird. But to that point, you would think it would be worse if it was, if she found out what was happening with Val. But at the same time, to your point, she's going to be around for a while. Well, and, like... Val and Ray, not nearly the same as Dylan and Kelly to Brenda. Right. But, like, the entire gang did not bat an eye about Dylan cheating on Brenda with Kelly. That's true. So, like, this is going to blow over probably, like, 
not as fast just because everyone is not as invested in Valerie as they were with Dylan and Kelly. Mm-hmm. But, like, it will blow over. Mm-hmm. It's going to blow over. And, like, I think later in the episode, Val even says that Donna is one of her best friends. Yeah. Which, which I'm like, right? Is she? <laughs> I was like, when did that happen? Um, but that is all so much later because we have to go to uh, David's dorm room. Which, again, I was like, oh, my God, he has a dorm room. Mm-hmm. Just completely lost. I love that all of these dorm rooms, there are no roommates. Yeah. It's like a one-person room. Like, we thought Andrea got a special room. And no, because, like, yeah, Lenny's room is very clearly Andrea's room repurposed. Yeah. And this whole time I was like, oh, is Lenny David's roommate? And then he wasn't, and David has his own room later. And I was like, what is happening? I know. Because this was even before, like, suites existed in... And college dorms and stuff, too. Yeah. Like, I remember part of the reason I wanted to go to Kennesaw was because I got my own bedroom. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was a huge deal. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I do love that David and Claire are hanging out in the dorms with other people and, like, kind of showing they have a separate life from everybody else. Because we really don't get to see that. Mm -mm. Um, And Lenny is, like, super into music, but he's a little uh, uppity about it being, like, it's only vinyl Mm -hmm. and don't touch it. Mm -hmm. Which... I get it. Vinyl is very sensitive and you don't want somebody like messing with Putting your their records. Hands on it, yeah. But I just love how he was like, it's not tapes, it's not CDs, it's vinyl. Right. Which is funny, but at the same time, like, doesn't land quite as well as it would in a much later show. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite thing about this is meeting Lenny. Like, this is the first time or whatever. Like, I'm just watching. Michael is like sitting in the room with me and I was just like, ugh. And Michael's like, what? And I was like, okay, let me tell you about this character. He did this, he did this, he said this, he did blah, 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 blah. And Michael's like, literally nothing about this is wrong. And right? I'm like, I know, <laughs> but he only likes, or like, or I was like, no, but he likes Pearl Jam. And Michael was like, oh, okay. <laughs> right? No, like he is totally valid in being like, do not mess with my records because I don't know that you know how to take care of them. Yeah. But, like, yeah, there was just something about it. Honestly, like, I think that bothered me more because the other girl came in and said that her bike was insured, but her parents will buy her a new one. And Lenny is just like, well, that's what happens when your bike is worth more than a car. Yeah. Why are you being weird? Like, her bike got stolen. Like, just because she has an expensive bike doesn't mean it, like, there's a right to have it stolen. You know what I mean? Like... No, he's like, it's like a weird class discrepancy. Like, we find out later that, you know, Lenny doesn't have any money. He didn't get, like, a GI Bill or anything. Um, And it seems like he resents other people for having money, which I think is a legitimate thing. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people have issues with, like, money, wealth disparity. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just the way he, like, said that straight to her face and then was immediately like, Claire, you don't know how to take care of my stuff, so don't touch it. I was like, well, now it just sounds like you're being a little sexist that and like kind of um like isolating to people like not wanting to like really form relationships except with David he like has kind of latched onto David for some reason a little bit and David's like yeah man this guy's harmless like he's whatever about it and Claire's like "Mm, I get weird vibes from this dude Mm -hmm. he's just kind of a dick for no reason Yeah. yeah and like like you said everyone has that friend at some point that like it's kind of a dick for no reason and your girlfriend doesn't really like them and mm-hmm. they're just there. Yep. 
especially in a college dorm situation, like, because I'm even thinking this could just be someone on his hall, right? Mm -hmm. And he's just the one dude, like everybody has talked about, that's just kind of weird and like you're nice to him, but occasionally just says weird things and so don't really hang out that often. Yeah, it's like that like first week of school where you're just meeting everyone mm-hmm. in your dorms and like you you're like, "Oh yeah, let's go get a, a meal together." So I'm not the only one having a meal in the dorm. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh no, we're friends." And you're like, "Oh boy. Uh-uh. What have I done? I can't touch his vinyls." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but I also I don't know if they did this on purpose, but as soon as we learned that his name was Lenny, I thought of um Steinbeck of my Oh men. yeah. Just because he was already kind of oafy. And I was like, is that on purpose? Am I giving them too much credit? <laughs> I feel like Of Mice and Men is probably the most frequently referenced yeah. thing. Like, one of the most frequently referenced things ever. So, right. So like, maybe. If you're referencing it, I'm just like, you're not that smart. Because everyone else does this too. Yeah. Or it's like Moby Dick. Or I'm trying to think of another thing that's like referenced a lot. Didn't the show even reference Moby Dick, like, earlier this season? Probably. <laughs> I think they did. I've never read Of Mice and Men. It's a short read. So. It's a short... No, my uh, freshman year English teacher was just like, we're not reading this. <laughs> Every other class is reading it. We're not reading it. You can go read it on your own if you want. We had to do two Steinbeck little novels freshman year. Like, we had to do, like, The Pearl and then Of Mice and Men. And I was like, this guy is sad and not in a fun way. Mm-hmm. See, I think we skipped all the short ones because then junior year we had to do Grapes of Wrath and East of Eden. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was so much. And that was the year I had to do The Stickies. Ugh. I got into Steinbeck one year because, or I guess a couple of years, because in One Tree Hill... <laughs> They always opened or closed, like, an episode with a quote by a famous person, and Lucas would always, like, quote Steinbeck, and I'm like, I should read more Steinbeck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I loved East of Eden. Yeah. And, like, Graves of Wrath was probably a close second on that, and, like, we talked about East of Eden for so long. Like, Mm -hmm. I think maybe, like, six years ago, I made John read East of Eden, and he, like, finished, and he was like, it's fine. And I was like, did you get the symbolism? <laughs> did you see my highlighted passage? <laughs> oh, God. If I still had my book, it would just be, like, flopped over. And, yeah. like, we had to do, I think I've told you about this, the six by eight sticky notes mm-hmm. on every single page. Every page? Every single page. Oh and gosh. you had to write something about what happened on that page, either, like, a synopsis of what happened or the symbolism that you found or something, something. And we'd get assigned chapters, and then my teacher would open everybody's books and, like, spot check stickies because it was a lot of stickies. And we learned at some point you could reuse old stickies, and, like, probably in, like, 10% of your book you could reuse old stickies, and she wouldn't notice. Oh, my gosh. Especially if you use them from the beginning of the book where it had the same characters' names on them. Right. So, like, people – and you – if people got really into it, they'd put multiple stickies on a page. So, like, you'd get halfway through East of Eden and your book would just break in half. <laughs> oh, good times. Trying to find loopholes in school. I know, right? And that was, like, an AP class. And we were all just like, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> no, I, I don't have the patience for this. Oh, man. I bet Andrea would have enjoyed stickies a lot. Oh, she would have loved it. Which, we don't actually ever see her working on school. And she's pre-med, so... 
That annoys me a little bit. Right? Like, this isn't even, like, an internship. This is a full-on job that she has at the hospital doing research. I'm like, are you equipped? That's what I was thinking. I was like, who gave you the, like, experience and knowledge to be able to do this? Granted, I don't know what she's doing. At this point, all I know is that she's transporting blood from one place to another, but... I'm sure there's more that goes into it. Are you researching that blood? (laughs) Right? I was like, I guess Mm, looks like blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then, so she gets the blood. Peter is being very loud about how he needs her right here, right now, and like invites her to take a shower in the middle of the hospital. But then she abandons the blood in the hallway. And I was like, doesn't that need to be temperature controlled or like have eyes on it? Probably because a nurse walks by and is like, oh, an abandoned cart. I need to attend to this and open. Here's something. What is what is that in this on-call room a la Grey's Anatomy? Opens the door and luckily it swings the correct way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Peter's like, hi, I'm in here, but I'm not closed. Luckily, she didn't recognize his voice or anything. Yeah. Luckily, she didn't just see him go in there with Andrea. Oh, yeah. That be would like, be even worse. Like, I <laughs> would... I kind of really wish she had just been like, Andrea, you left your blood out here. (laughs) I have, like, one question. And how long are these shifts? Like, the way she described it was really confusing. She's like, I have to work five to seven. And I'm like, you have to do two hours of research (laughs) or a ridiculously longer amount of overnight research. Like, what? I know. I wrote that down, too, because I was like, I find it hilarious that Andrea works two-hour shifts. (laughs) Well, because I think this is the part where Peter says he's worked like 16 hours Mm -hmm. and he's still there. So it's like, I mean, that kind of makes sense for a doctor. To an extent, because like, I think there's a, there's a common misconception, but also some truth around those really long shifts. Like nurses, for example, regularly work 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. hours or 11 hours and things like that. But it's part of like usually the busy times otherwise like once you get kind of further along in your career you get the better shifts which are typically just eight hours like a normal person Mm -hmm. um but i think the really long like 12 to 16 to 18 hour shifts are usually reserved for like residents and things like that i would i would be very shocked to find out that on the reg attendings you know get these really long shifts i can understand maybe 10 hours or something but or at least being on call for 12 hours or something. But I would just be curious if Dr. Laundrie is a resident or if he's an attending or if he's just a, just there. Well, and it sounds like he's incredibly irresponsible. So I'm wondering <laughs> if he's picking up these longer shifts to make sure he's at the hospital mm. when Andre is there. Yeah. Because it sounds like he is the one putting all the work into this affair. Seriously. <laughs> He's just there. And Well, that's the thing. It's like, Andrea gets to have her daughter and husband in this affair Hmm? at her convenience. Like, if she's there, she can get it. If she's not there, it doesn't really matter because she still has Hannah and Jesse to worry about. But Dr. Laundrie's like, I'm going to seek this out. I'm going to come see you. I'm going to say all these things really loudly. Yeah. Yeah. He's putting in so much work. So much. And she's just like, you can't be here, leave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which I guess we'll, we'll get there later. Yeah. Because we have to go back to the pee pad where Rush is on stage announcing that he sold the club (laughs) to the people at the club. This was very weird to me. Like, I don't think I would go to, I don't go to a lot of clubs ever, but I don't think I would ever go to a bar and like the bar's owner be like, excuse me, can I have your attention, please? I sold the bar. 
to this child. (laughs) Or just in general, just say, I've sold the bar. I'm not the owner anymore. Like, there wouldn't be an announcement. Yeah, and he did this announcement with, like, the gang all there. I'm like, why Mm -hmm. wouldn't you have, like, a pre, like, hey, before we open tonight, I have to tell you guys something. Especially to, like, David and Claire, Steve... Valerie there, Ray probably, mm-hmm. but like Donna, she doesn't really need to be there. Like I'm talking if there was a independent meeting. Yeah, if there was an actual like staff meeting. Right. It wouldn't include Donna. Wouldn't include Kelly or Brandon. Wouldn't include Dylan. But somehow almost all of them are all there hearing it, and like literally everyone can't believe this. They're just like looking at, looking around like the fuck. Like <laughs> I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> My favorite part is when Val comes over and is like, I don't know anything about running a nightclub. Yeah. But like, I mean, fair question. But David and Claire don't know anything about booking acts and they're doing it. True. Yeah. All the children are just like learning on the fly. Yeah. Ray has never been a house band before, but you just like gave it to him. Yeah. Which, I mean, could also have just been because he was cheap. And they have True. no money. But like. And he couldn't dictate a price because he didn't know what to dictate. Yeah. And just, it's so funny to me that like this place is literally all run by children now. And Nat <laughs> is just probably sitting over in the peach pit like, my retirement is in the <laughs> yeah. hands of seven 18 year olds. Well, and also like, yeah, because he's part investor in this too. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, I can't imagine what he's thinking. If he even has the time to think anything. I know. <laughs> I love that Nat just, like, isn't a factor anymore. We all go to the pee pad instead of the peach pit. Exactly. Poor guy. Poor guy. I mean, he's still there. He still got paid for this episode. Yep. So, good on him. And all this happens and causes Val to want to celebrate. So, she comes over to Dylan's real late. Like, Dylan's already asleep. I know. I would have been so annoyed. But she wants to celebrate her buying the pee pad or at least taking over Russia's shares. But she also brought over weed to an addict. And, like, she was one of the people trying to get him sober for a while and was, like, very conflicted about when he tried to leave rehab Mm -hmm. and, like, made her take him somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand. Like, I get what she's doing. She wants to, like, relive the moments that they had before he was sober when, like, all they would do was drink and have sex. Right. And she's lonely. I mean, Dylan even says the name of the episode. Yes, he does. You telling me it's lonely at the top? Yeah, because... She's like, oh, you don't want to do this with me because you're stuck on Kelly. And I was like, no, it's because he's sober, but yeah. also because he's stuck on Kelly. And he was asleep. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, this is not exciting to me. And she admits she doesn't have anybody else. I'm like, because you keep doing these things. Exactly. Like, y- they have made it very clear that they're avocado heads mm-hmm. and you just need to, like, get on board or find new friends. Well, and I think, you know, we've talked extensively about how Val is the Brenda replacement on steroids. But one thing Brenda always had was a consistent friend, right? She was never just by herself trying to get boys or, or, you know, trying to cause chaos or whatever. She always had Kelly and Donna. Mm -hmm. Even when she and Kelly had the whole cheating thing between them, she still had Donna, right? Like, she even went to Paris with Donna and all this kind of stuff. Val literally has nobody. Like, and I feel like she could really benefit from a girlfriend here. Absolutely. you know, she just keeps going to guy to guy to guy whether it's sleeping with them regularly like dylan and ray or trying to manipulate them like or not necessarily manipulate in this case but trying to get something out of them a la rush and jonesy Mm -hmm. 
It's like she can't just be. Yeah, she just needs a friend. And mm-hmm. that could be, you know, Donna, Kelly, Claire, Brandon. Like, it yeah. could be any of them. She just needs to accept, like, I need a friend. And there needs to be no strings attached. And, like, you know, maybe this is something in Val's, like, mental well-being where she's like, I have to be able to offer something to people in order for them to want me. And in that case, like, this is my body. Mm-hmm. Oof. Which... Baby girl. Right? Like, <laughs> I literally just thought of it as we were talking. I was like, oh, no. Well, Do I, mean, I want to hug her? Well, yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this last week, or maybe that was about Kelly. Yeah, it was about Kelly. How are you saying this? is just a little girl who is just craving, you know, like, a positive attitude. She wants people to like her, like, all this kind of stuff. Now, if we're diving deeper on Valerie, she just clearly wants attention. She needs attention clearly from men and as we know her her backstory is that her father recently committed suicide Mm -hmm. so what was that relationship like clearly you know it was a very traumatic experience for her so much so that she left her home left her mom left her siblings came here but what did that do to her you know what did what did the relationship before the suicide cause Mm -hmm. and things like that and i don't think we're gonna necessarily get that at least not anytime soon but it just shows, like, her gravi- her gravitational pull towards men. And like you said, I need to offer something to them in order to make myself valuable. Valuable. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot for her. And even though Dylan's, like, basically rejecting her in this moment, she's still just like, I'm just going to leave this joint right here and bye-bye. Like, so even if she doesn't get the attention from him, she wants to brain chaos Mm -hmm. she wants to like leave something there so that he thinks about her and like he and like maybe he'll seek her out afterwards yep um and yeah i mean it seems very clear that valerie is fully alone Mm -hmm. because you know the next thing we see is the walsh's house and cindy wants to call val's mom and we basically find out that like val got all this money and didn't send any home when like Mm -hmm. i think it's been very clear that this family is struggling both emotionally and financially Mm -hmm. and it seems like val has just abandoned her family in buffalo like she is just not Mm -hmm. with anybody anymore yep (laughs) i do love Jim's comment where he was like, it's her money and she can do what she wants with it and she's on her own and there's not much that we can do about it until she's in trouble and you know she's going to come right back. And I was like, yes, she is Jim and you're going to let her in. We hope. I mean, history has shown us that the Walshes, A, don't punish and are easily forgiving. forgiving. But yeah, we'll see if that actually happens because we have limited time with Jim and Cindy. I know. Oh my God, I know. (laughs) I mean, I feel like they're going to do something of just, like, give this house to Brandon and just be like, but you have to let Val stay here. Right. Oh, my gosh. Which, I, I, did we ever learn, did they own the house? I know they were the renting Walshes? it. Oh, I don't know. In the first season. I would assume so, but I don't know. I don't remember if that ever came up again. I don't think it did. Because I know Casa Walsh doesn't go anywhere. It's Casa Walsh. Yeah, Why yeah, would yeah. it go anywhere? Exactly. Oh, man. But then... At the Walsh house, so once we kind of, like, wrap up talk with, um, about Valerie, Steve calls, and he, you know, Brandon thinks at first, like, he's calling to talk about the whole peach pad, or pee, peach pad, pee pad thing, um, which I'm just thinking now, peach pad actually works, because the first right? pee is peach. It does work. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, Brandon's, I mean, Steve's like, yeah, 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 I'm going to have lunch with Rush later, but he wants to talk more about the crime that's been happening at CU. The crime wave. The crime wave. Because now three frat houses have also been hit. Exactly. And again, Brandon is just like, this isn't my job. Right. And which is true, not his job. Um, but what is his job? Exactly. I'm <laughs> I like, want if, a definition. If not for crime sprees, what does Brandon do as the president? Unclear. Also, is this the same time? Because I wrote this in my note, my notes, and now I'm feeling like I wrote the wrong person. But I also said, like, right after this phone call at CU, is someone hiding in the bushes watching Val and the random bike girl? There, I didn't write down when those happened except for the very last one, but there's like three times okay. that we see somebody hiding in the bushes because we see one with Kelly too. Okay. Maybe it was that one that I mistake. I think I wrote down Val and meant Kelly. Yeah. I think there were three times and the first time it was like at Kelly's party. Someone's watching them. And right. And then okay. again, it's Kelly and that girl, was it Allie or something? I think it's Amy. 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 Um, and that's like the... They have that in common. And then the next time, it's like Brandon and Kelly. Okay, yeah. So I think I wrote down Val and I meant Kelly. Okay. Because, yeah, is it the Kelly one where we see somebody, like, pull out a knife? Or is that the Brandon With, and Kelly one later? I think that was Brandon. the Brandon and Kelly okay. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we go back to see you where mm-hmm. this is when Claire and David are hanging out in David's dorm room. Yep. And I saw David has a meet his murder sticker. Has a what? Meet his murder Oh my gosh. And he had a, uh, do we see this here? Yeah. He also has a poster on the wall of like a dinosaur and it says something like, thank God, we're, uh, thank God for evolution or something like that. <laughs> like <know>. David. <laughs> right. I was like looking at all of his dorm decorations and I was like, oh, first of all, this dorm looks much nicer than his room did back at the beach apartment. True. Um, but yeah, I was just so fascinated because I love set decoration. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of, like, you, you say that David has a meet is murder uh, sticker. Also, later in the episode, we get Andrea saying, like, yeah, when was the last time I ate red meat? So I'm like, avocado heads. <laughs> True avocado heads. I actually wrote that. I was like, is David a vegetarian or is this a, like, reference I'm not picking up? Right. <laughs> but they're, they have just finished whatever they're doing. Claire's buttoning her pants. <laughs> And they're chatting about the pee pad, and then Claire's like, oh, I have to leave, and she goes to open the door, and Lenny is just standing there. Just there. He's yeah. just there. And it's kind of weird, because he's like, well, don't leave on my account. And I was like, no, she was literally walking out the door. Right. That's how this happened. Right. But this is where we find out that Lenny is an older student. He moved into the dorms because he doesn't have any money, and he says, I have to like uh, beg, borrow, and steal just mm-hmm. to make ends meet, which is supposed to be a whole, like, ooh, he said the word steal, and there's a person on campus. And, like, David even jokes about it. He's like, oh, yeah, so sometimes something bikes are missing. And Lenny's just like, I'm sorry, what now? And like, yeah, he's like, that's not funny. Yeah, immediately takes offense to it. And David's like, it was a joke. Sorry, but why are you getting mad? Yeah, like, it, this is all, I think, supposed to be, like, ooh, Lenny could be the guy. Right. And, I mean, even at the end of the episode, LAPD comes to talk to him. And, like, it just didn't land with me. And I have no... I don't care and I don't think Lenny did it anyway. Like I think I feel like I can tell this is a misdirect and Lenny is just very sensitive to the fact that he is an odd one out in the dorms. Yeah, and this would be just another way to like alienate him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they're they're trying to throw us a softball here and make us believe that Lenny's the suspect or the 
actual person who did it, but it's just too obvious at this point. Right. It just, it didn't land with me. Yeah. So we go over to Andrea now, mm-hmm. who's on the phone with Jesse because he's interviewing more. And now he's in Kansas City. And he thinks that this interview has gone much better than the interview in Boise. And Andrea is like, well, I hate to break it to you, but Kansas City is not better than Boise. And then Jesse's like, but steaks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, she just can't be happy. No. But then Peter shows up and is talking. And then she's like, oh, it's my grandma. And he's like, I'm your grandma. And I was like, Jesse heard that. I promise you Jesse heard that. Yeah, 100%. And like, Jesse apparently, quote unquote, didn't hear that. And even at this point, like, Andrew's like, let me call you later. And, and Jesse, just being normal, is just like, actually, you know, I'm going to have a really busy day. Why don't I give you a call when, like, I'm about to go to bed? Mm-hmm. And I, again, feel so bad for Jesse here. Like, I know it's a shitty situation all around. Like, we've talked about ad nauseum about how their college-age parents who had to get married because they had a baby and still trying to figure out what they're doing in their careers and things like that. And, you know, now... not unfortunately but like uh what's the word i'm looking for it's uh jesse star is now tied to andrea's and vice versa so Mm -hmm. it's like unfortunately because they had to get married and because of circumstance they are now linked and so andrea's just being a butt about the whole thing but jesse is just still like hey you can be mad all you want to i am still going to look out for number one Mm. well and like we've talked about like old andrea would have been so excited for Jesse to get these amazing opportunities. And start researching, like, yeah. schools in these areas. No, this is just further proof that they got married when they probably shouldn't have. Like, they could have kept dating while, you know, having uh, Hannah mm-hmm. and then just decided later, like, okay, this isn't really working out, but we know, like, we can have a relationship. Like, I think it requires a lot of, um, like – individual growth to Mm -hmm. acknowledge like we're not good together and we need to be able to be co-parents together so like we can't just be hurt and mad and like all this stuff at each other which is where this is going because if jesse wants to leave for kansas city or boise or wherever and andrea refuses to go and then this affair comes out like it's going to be really hard to effectively co-parent at that point because you're going to be hurt yeah very much so and honestly at this point if we went down that path, custody would probably need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And at this point, why would I, if I'm a judge, why would I side with Andrea? Right? I just wouldn't at this point. You have no job. You cheated on him. Mm-hmm. You had an affair with your baby in the room. Oh, God. Yeah, she's literally like, oh, what am I doing? My daughter's in the next room. Yeah, what are you doing? Right? <laughs> Like, first of all, how do you fucking say that with a smile on your face? Right? She's like, That's oh my god, thing. this is crazy. Every time she's smiling. Ugh. And then, second of all, like, um, I had to, like, give myself a refresher on this episode before I wrote my synopsis this morning, so I looked at, like, one of those websites, like, I don't remember, like, Television of Yore or something. Mm-hmm. I like that one. And they wrote that they're still contemplating cheating on their spouses. And I'm like, they've been cheating they've been this entire cheating. time. Yeah. Like, just because there's no, like, intercourse that we know about, mm-hmm. like, they're ripping their clothes off in an yeah. on-call room and making out and, like, 
he is showing up at her house and she even says like you can't be doing this yeah. like what if anybody showed up what if anybody saw you she's got neighbors i guarantee there is a no nosy neighbor somewhere in this complex <laughs> yeah. that sees what is happening here you would think so but yeah like what they're contemplating is not cheating what they're contemplating is whether or not they're gonna have sex whether or not they're going to continue cheating exactly whether or yeah whether or not they decide to call it quits and realize they're cheating yeah <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I have to say about this scene is that Josie says, I love you. And Andrea says, like, yeah, me yeah too. same. Yeah. But, like, I don't like that. It's not the same. No, I, I'm i a pain in the ass. I fully acknowledge it. But, like, I have told John, like, I prefer if I say, like, I love you. I want him to say, like, I love you or I love you, too. Like, I don't want him to say, like, me, too. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not – it doesn't give me the same, like, chemical reaction no. if you just say me, too. No, I'm I'm on board with that. It's – I don't ever think – I can't remember if Nate's ever done the whole Me Too thing or if I have to him, but I wouldn't want it. Like, I, like express your love back, not – right? That's all – like, yeah. I, I understand. I'm very demanding, but <laughs> that is one of the things I want. Right. And I think it's different if it's like, I had a nice time with you, and then they reciprocate with Me Too. That's fine. Yeah. You know, like – that's kind of like sometimes <laughs> the embarrassing thing of like when you go to a movie theater and they're, <laughs> they're like, like, enjoy the show. And you're like, you too. <laughs> Every time I'll get like half of it out of my mouth and then realize what I'm doing and just walk away. <laughs> I'm like, like, well, I can never come back to this AMC. Exactly. <laughs> no, the, yesterday, I think it was even, uh, I don't remember what we were talking about or what we were watching, but I was like, I loved our wedding and I wasn't paying attention. I was like, I liked it too. And he's like, you liked it? <laughs> classic hey but that just shows you it's not just us needy clingy women who need the i love it back or whatever it's like no no john got offended because you said liked and he said loved <laughs> yeah and i was even like no i meant i loved it and he was like yeah sure okay yeah, whatever did you did you yeah <sighs> okay enough about that cheating we have another cheating thing to talk about oh my god there's so much cheating i know because at the peach pit this time ray walks in asking for val um, this is where they're like really steely with each other and had some of the only good lines of the episode because Val is talking about unfinished business that they have to discuss because she ultimately will not let him play here unless he sleeps with her somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, no, don't get me wrong. That I would like nothing more for you to continue to play here. And Ray's like, sits the spider to the fly. And she's like, is my web so unpleasant? <laughs> so ridiculous. And like somehow it landed. I was like, it actually sounds kind of natural that she said that. It felt very um, the scorpion and the frog. Oh, yeah. Thing okay. Of where it's like Val's just like dangling, you know, like his musical career opportunity right in front of him. But she's like, no, you're I'm going to throw in another uh, animal metaphor here. But like you're a leopard. You don't change your spots. Like. I know what you are. Um, and yeah, then she just straight up admits it. She's like, I'm going to be straight up with you. Like, yeah, I, I like, I want you back in my bed is mm. what she literally says. She's literally. And this is when Ray's like, oh, I don't want to keep hurting Donna. And yeah. He's like, I don't want to lie to Donna. And she's like, you're already lying to Donna. And he's like, what if I don't sleep with you? You're going to tell her. And she's like, why would I tell her? She's one of my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said something else. And Val's just like, again, so like sassy in the scene. She's like, you know. People overestimate the value of a college education. You're much smarter than I thought. Which, like, this definitely happens in off-screensville, but I really love the idea that 
Ray leaves this conversation and is like, well, I don't want to sleep with her anymore, so I guess I have to find another thing to do with my career. And he just finds a booking agent to set him up on a tour. Exactly. Which I guess, like, to his credit, at this point, we don't see it because they don't let us have these live performances (laughs) that Ray does. But at this point, he has like kind of like a reel or a, I don't know what you call it in the music industry, a tape? I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely had a demo before because he brought it to the record label and they were like, oh, well, it's kind of rough. Right. But yeah, I could imagine that like booking agents probably go to the pee pad and right. just like see him playing like, well, especially if he's a house band because yeah. in this episode, we lost two Ray Live performances and we've seen when you look him up on YouTube that other stuff happens in the scene while he's performing. Mm. So we're just missing conversation. I feel like I need to buy like the shooting scripts oh my gosh i would love that can you imagine 300 shooting scripts (laughs) how much money that would cost i would geek out on that so hard right though yeah i would want to like do teleplays of episodes yes do a table read (laughs) we could do a table read of every racing that gets cut out (laughs) here's for our patreon the deleted scenes oh my god (laughs) Oh, we'd have to just, like, play YouTube videos of Jamie Walters singing while we read the scripts. Oh, my gosh. I'll cover his songs on ukulele. <gasps> yes! <laughs> so good. I was going to offer you up for that, but I was like, I don't know how hard it would be to learn those. So I'm not going to say it. But It's probably not that bad. Like, honestly, like, especially because all he has is, I mean, I know he has a band behind him, but, like, he's playing acoustic guitar, so. I watched one YouTube video earlier, and I, like, so he posted a ton of them, mm-hmm. but they're all from other seasons, but he didn't put the episodes in the video title. So I would have to click on them and see what video episode it was before mm-hmm. I click back out. But one of them is in like season six or season seven and he's playing harmonica. What? I know. Fun. Oh, I was my like, gosh. learn something new every day. So the next day, Val has Claire and David into her office to have the meeting. They should have had like three days ago. Mm-hmm. And she starts saying that she doesn't want to book Ray anymore, but she's, like, very smart about it and, like, we need to branch out. There are a ton of other artists out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you guys to put together a calendar of acts for the next two months. And David is just like, yeah, that's a great idea. We can totally do that. Whatever. And Claire's like, I don't know that that's a really great idea. But David is very much on board of just, like, we're just going to do whatever Valerie says. And I can't help but think that Claire has some sort of, like, fair bias against Val. Because obviously Claire is like intuitive enough to know that Val is up to no good. But at the same time, David's right here. And Val's right to that point. I mean, her intentions are wrong, but the outcome is right. Mm -hmm. They do need more than just Ray Pruitt as a band at the pee pad. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's kind of funny. The way Val acts, like, nobody would assume that the reason she's doing this is because Ray won't sleep with her. She is a master manipulator and an agent of chaos yeah it's just chaos like i'm sure claire is just like oh she's literally just swooped in and like blew the spot up exactly and then while that's happening steve is getting lunch with rush and steve's all mad that how could rush you know sell off his shares to val and accuses him of sleeping with val but then rush is like well no did not do that thank you for asking here's a check for your commission which I want to know how much it was. Right? Because Steve is just like, Ugh, a check, whatever. And then he grabs it and he's opening and he's like, oh, maybe I am hungry after all. I do. I got to say, like, Steve 
acts like Rush and Rush acts like Steve. When Steve sits down and Rush is like, I think I'm going to have the steak with the baked potato and the side of this and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't that sound great to you? Mm-hmm. And Steve's like, I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. But then he gets the money and he's like, so what? What did, what did you say you were ordering? Yeah. Can we make that too? Okay. Can we just go double that order? Well, and I would have to think that check is actually pretty sizable because Steve knows what a lot of money looks like. Yeah. Like, out of all of the people in the gang, I feel like Steve is the only one that recognizes what a lot versus a little money is. Yeah. I think Steve truly understands the value of money better than anybody else because, like, Dylan has a lot of money, mm-hmm. but he needs help with it. True. Like, he does not know what he's doing. Exactly. And I feel like Steve both, like, like he doesn't have a lot of money. His money comes from his parents. We know he gets an allowance, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, I, But I think he understands, like, how business works. Exactly. Whereas, like you said, with Dylan, he just – he needs somebody else to manage it because he just doesn't know what he's doing and he doesn't really know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Which – Speaking of Dylan, that's where we see Dylan next. It, I assume we're at a park or something because he's just in the woods. Which, like, sir, do it at home? Yeah, pot is <laughs> illegal in the state of California right now. Yeah. At this moment, you can't be doing this. Exactly. And he's just out in the open pulling out a joint, the same one that Val left. He tries to smoke it, but he can't get the lighter to work, supposedly because there's a lot of wind. Yeah. Which, thankfully. I mean, yeah. whatever. I, I guess I appreciate this. It's like a very short scene with him because then we have to go back to the Ray storyline because we get a little scene where Claire is telling Donna that Val wants to hire new bands for the P-Pad and she tried to stand up for Ray, but David didn't. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Ray and Luann's house where Ray is packing up a bag and his guitar is sitting there and his mom's like, oh, I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and you're running away. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not running away. I got booked on a college tour. I have to leave. And I wrote down, I was like, I hope he talked to Donna before he did it. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Ray. Um, and Luann, I guess, decides to make Ray make a smart decision here instead of just lying about everything else because she's like, no, no, you made a commitment. So you're going to honor that commitment and you're going to say goodbye to Donna. He's not, she's not opposed to him leaving. She's just opposed to him leaving now. <laughs> Luann's advice is something. It just, it's so up and down. Like, cheat on your girl, but do it discreetly. I'm going to lie for you, and that's okay. No, you honor your commitment to a work thing, I guess is what you could call it. Not your girlfriend, though. Yeah, well, yeah, I like that the she tacked Donna say goodbye to Donna at the end yes I know it was very much like no you're contractually obligated to do this thing with the girl that you're sleeping with so you have to go do that oh and I guess they get better Donna yeah you you might as well say bye (laughs) (laughs) I love Donna should you say goodbye to her before you leave that's that's probably a good idea right yeah go make some money while you're there (laughs) Kiss your girlfriend goodbye so she'll miss you a whole bunch while you're gone. Yeah. Right. Like, Luann very much is just, like, you have to keep Donna around. But, like, she's not actually advocating for them to have a healthy relationship. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, all of that happens. And then we get to back to see Dylan 
Because Dylan went to go see Charlie. Totally forgot his name. I'm glad you said his name. I totally forgot his name, too. I looked it up because I was like, (laughs) we should know this. But he kept calling Dylan Stones, and I was like, should I just call him Stones? Yeah, right? Also, I don't remember why he calls him Stones. Because the Rolling Rolling Stones Stones. had. Yeah, it just hit me. It literally just hit me. No, but I was so happy that he went to see him and was like, look, I almost fell off the wagon, and like, how are you doing? Which is, you know. You should always ask your friends how they're doing. Mm-hmm. I love that Charlie was like, I have no choice. I have to stay sober. And right. Dylan's like, well, I do have a choice, and I made the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And he freely admits that, like, it's because of things happening in his life. Charlie is like, was it Kelly or Valerie? And Dylan was like, it's both. Yeah, because he literally says, Val supplied the temptation, but Kelly supplied the motivation. Mm-hmm. And Charlie says, like, you got to let Kelly go. There's no buts here. This is not good for you. Right. And I agree. I I totally agree. agree. Yeah. That's why I wrote down his name because I was like, this man makes good choices. I appreciate him. And you can appreciate that he's been there, clearly, Mm -hmm. enough to be able to give Dylan the right advice. Yeah. Not just advice. (laughs) This is not Luann advice. This is Charlie advice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then I feel like I wrote a lot more in this like back half of the episode. Yeah. Because a lot happens right because next we see brandon and kelly just strolling through campus and this is where brandon's like is this my job or isn't this my job this is so funny to me that he's upset that everyone is coming to him and kelly's like well they're probably coming to you so you'll talk to the chancellor and brandon's like i did yeah i was like okay i don't understand why you're upset brandon you did what they expected you to do exactly because he's all like hey kelly if your mom was robbed would she call the mayor (laughs) No, Brandon, the police. <laughs> well, I loved his, I'm the student body president. I'm not Batman. Exactly. And I'm like, oh my God, please let Brandon be Batman. <laughs> I would lose my mind. Like, I really was hoping that's where they were going with this. When <laughs> Kelly was becomes like, Batman. I hear things in the bushes. And then Brandon's like, okay, let me go fight this bush person. You hear oh a whoosh God. and he gets a cape out of nowhere. <laughs> where did that come from? He just rips the shirt. <laughs> It's a bee. <laughs> okay. Brandman. Brandman. <laughs> but like, picture Brandon starting a vigilante group a la the Red Circle with Archie Andrews. Oh my God. Please. It's just Steve and Dylan and Brandon all shirtless and <laughs> camera with a baseball bat. <laughs> but that's not what happens because Kelly hears some rustling and Brandon's like, no, that's my stomach. I'm really hungry. Brandon didn't even hear the rustling in the bushes. I know, but she's like, no, I just got this really bad feeling. I feel like we have to go look for it. But Brandon doesn't want to. And this is where, yeah, we see the creeper again. And this time he's holding a knife. And wearing dark shoes. Mm-hmm. They were very deliberate to show us the shoes. And that green jacket. Yeah. And black pants. Yeah. yeah because literally the next scene is David and Claire at uh, the student center. And David's a little upset that... Claire didn't convince Donna that he stood up for Ray and she was like, well, I tried, but Donna didn't believe me, which is fair Mm -hmm. because why would she? And I don't know, this is when they're in the dorms because Lenny brings David a bootleg copy of a bootleg Mm -hmm. and Amy pushes past them with all of her bags and she says she's going home because someone was raped in the bushes in broad daylight And and slashed up. And Lenny says... On the bright side, no one will be stealing bicycles over the next few days because there's cops all over campus. Yeah, because there's a bright side to rape. Yeah, and this is the thing. is like the show really wants us to think it's Lenny, and I get it. And, like, 
it's not landing. Amy's like, whatever, I'm leaving. It's mm-hmm. not safe here. And then the camera literally pans down to show his shoes. Yeah. Like, they're not even hiding what they're trying no. to do. But the fact that they're being so obvious is why I'm like, it's not Lenny. Exactly. Lenny is just different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's really weird that they showed, like, that green jacket. And then the next time you see him, he's wearing a blue jacket, mm-hmm. but with the same pants and shoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, whatever. Bruh. Whatever. So then we go, like, I'm assuming same day. It's later at night. It's dark out. Brandon has a ton of meetings to address campus safety. And Steve and Brandon have the worst interaction of the episode, but arguably of the season, Mm -hmm. where Steve makes a joke of, how many bureaucrats does it take to catch a rapist? And Brandon laughs. I know. Like, I didn't, I couldn't even write it out because I was just like, what just happened? This is the only time in the, like, in the episode that I rewound to make sure I got the quote right mm-hmm. because Brandon laughed and I was like, that didn't happen. No. I, like, I cannot imagine a moment in this show where somebody makes a joke about rape the day someone was raped on campus and you laugh about it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not okay. And then Brandon, like, will not get off his little horse of like this is not my problem and he's like people make noise about wanting student involvement but then a rapist shows up and they push it off on administration like it's the administration is supposed to be keeping the campus safe exactly like this is actually legitimately their thing and like students shouldn't have to do things like take back the night rallies right they do them because the administration is failing Mm -hmm. but they shouldn't have to this should not be their problem. 100%. I mean, and even when Kelly walks up, because she rushes up to them, says she's scared and that it could have been her because she had heard the rustling in the bushes. You know, she's been alone because, you know, she's not going to be with a bodyguard the whole time. Yeah. So then Brandon does the thing that society does and tells Kelly not to walk alone until it's settled. She doesn't tell... Or he doesn't, you know, focus on the fact that there should not be rapists. He focuses on, well, you're a target. So just don't walk alone and you won't be a target. Yeah. Don't dress like that. Walk in pairs. Do this and this. Don't be alone at night. Like, don't put in headphones. Don't, you know, like. The idea that women only get like 12 hours of a day to be safe. And even then it was broad daylight. Like that would not. I know. It is not Kelly's fault. That she is walking around and Brandon should be, like, taking it on himself to be like, this is a problem that I need to help fix Mm -hmm. to keep people safe, not Kelly just don't go around at night. Exactly. What happens if she has, like, 8 p.m. class? Yeah. Should she just avoid 8 p.m. classes? No. There should not be rapists. Yeah. But Brandon is just like, I can't believe I have to deal with this. Like, Mm -hmm. sorry, Brandon. I don't know what your job description is, but this does feel like something that falls into your problem. It does now. Yeah. Like, maybe it didn't before, but now it does. Right? I just, it made me so mad. It's not a good, it's not a good storyline. They, thus far, with the exception of the rap line in season one? I think so. Or two. Not sure. Early on. With that exception, they have not handled rape well. Yeah. I was thinking about the Halloween episode with Kelly. Oh, yeah. And Donna handled that well. Yeah. But Brenda didn't. No. And neither did Steve. I mean, Steve, in the sense that he wanted to get the rapist and, and make sure he paid for it, but still, it 
it was half handled well, half mm-hmm. not handled well. And then obviously all of the college rape that we've had thus far has not been handled well at all. No, I can't even talk about the Take Back the Night episode. Like beyond acknowledging it existed. Right. I can't talk about it because like it was garbage and like it kind of ruined Steve for me. I know. I'm, I'm trying so hard, but like he's not been good Mm -mm. and then they keep cutting his scenes anyway so it doesn't matter exactly so (sighs) moving on moving on because then we got to go back to val because so much is happening right now Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) this is when she surprises ray while he's getting ready and he's like i'm supposed to be playing here tonight so i'm playing here tonight and he tells her to stay away from donna and val's like well you don't have anything to threaten me with and Ray is like, yes, I do. I have the truth. Mm-hmm. Which, sure, but so does Val. Right? And, I mean, Val has a lot less to lose than you do. Ex- yeah, that's kind of my point. It's like, I don't know, like, typically the truth will set you free. Not necessarily in this case. I don't think you should keep lying. But it's, like, that defense or that, I guess, offense, like, doesn't really work for Ray as it does Val. Because that's what, like, Valerie is threatening Ray with. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. And she even says, like, you wouldn't dare break the illusion and break Donna's heart. Exactly. Yeah, she's like, you wouldn't dare break the illusion that you're not a snake in the grass. And then Ray, with the ultimate comeback, you're a snake in the grass. (laughs) (laughs) Did I write this scene? I know, right? (laughs) That's how I respond to everything. John will say something and be like, you did that. No, I I literally did not leave these dishes in the sink. (laughs) You did it. You did it. But yeah, so then Ray, like, storms off and then Dylan walks up and gives back the joint to Val and Val tries to play it off like fine you know more for me or like whatever Mm. but clearly she is starting to feel the effects that she actually is alone because everyone's like literally ditching her yeah because she literally asks if he has any plans tonight Mm -hmm. I love that he literally walks into the pee pad hands her a joint says quippy lines to her and whooshes back out yeah especially in like the long duster it's literally whooshing exactly and and i love i guess i'm just loving how luke perry approaches dylan these days because like yeah she's like do you have any plans tonight and he's like yep there's none that involve you and like taps her twice on the like claps her shoulders a little bit and then walks out i'm like yeah i I love the physicality of that i know and he goes over to the peach pit side yep where he's picking music out on the jukebox which is whatever they replaced the mm-hmm. this music it was not the right choice because no. kelly's like why didn't you pick something happy and it's like fly me to the moon <laughs> yeah, it's, like it's like very like da, jazzy da, 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 da. <laughs> and he's like okay fine you can pick something instead and she thanks him for coming to her picnic that didn't happen mm-hmm. and says it meant something for him to come to campus to see her and kisses him on the cheek and like is so sad i was like you're hurting him yeah stop it yeah and she doesn't know no she doesn't know i think she can kind of assume that he still has feelings for her but she doesn't know the extent and ultimately she just wants to be friends and so dylan's like what do you want me to say and then kelly's basically just like tell me you'll always be my friend and he does Mm -hmm. and it was kind of sad but not quite finite as i would have wanted it to be yeah um it didn't feel like this is done um but nate was watching with me and he goes did he just get friend zoned <laughs> and i was like he did kind of but i don't think so i mean like yeah that's the thing it's it's kind of but it's not that kind of sets the tone for the rest of this episode because it like it wraps it up but it leaves it open-ended yeah kind of things because yeah. we get a couple of really short scenes after this where 
uh, Peter comes up to Andrea at the hospital, pulls out a motel key, and is like, who's babysitting tonight? Can she stay later? And it's Jesse's mom. And I was like, you cannot ask your husband's mother to babysit late so that you can go have an affair. Exactly. And Jesse's or Peter's like really pushy really about this pushy. affair. He's like, I rented this by the week. So like, come with me tomorrow. Come with me the next day. And she keeps making excuses. I was like, Peter, pick up what she's throwing down. Exactly. Back off. I'm like, go be a doctor, dude. Like, right? you have a job. Yeah. Go take we, care of sick kids. We never see you working. I know. And then we get another short scene where this is where Claire and David are at the student center because mm-hmm. they're not at the pee pad. Claire says she doesn't want to book any uh, bands for Valerie. Mm-hmm. And then they see Lenny walk by. David tries to invite him, but he won't come over. So then Claire invites him, and he's like, okay, well, if Claire's inviting me, that means you actually want me there, so I'm going to go sit down, even though Claire really doesn't. And then the LAPD comes up and is like, we need to talk to you, which is, again, they're really pushing that the viewer is supposed to think that Lenny is the rapist slash thief. Yeah. Which we've talked about. You know, we'll see if that – Yeah. It'll have to be in the next episode a follow-up because it – took this took place like literally second to the last scene mm-hmm. so well well and it doesn't seem like that like this seems like a c plot in this episode right. so like it it's not gonna go multiple episodes it's not gonna be like the cult arc this is gonna mm-hmm. be like two or three episodes tops yep and then we end with ray has finished his set he and don are outside the pee pad and he finally tells donna oh by the way i'm leaving from here to go on an open-ended tour of the northeast of the colleges and i guess to donna's credit well, not to our credit, but she just assumes it's legit, which, to be fair, it is actually legit, but the reasons behind leaving are not. And But Donna takes this as, oh my gosh, this means your career is, like, picking up, right? Like, you're getting more shows other than just here. She's sad that he's leaving, but happy for his career. Which I appreciate. I'd, I'm a little upset she's not a little suspicious of the idea that he didn't include her in these plans like yeah they haven't been dating that long he doesn't have to include her but like as a relationship you'd think he'd want to include her mm-hmm. no totally and that's why i think they're not giving donna that much credit mm-hmm. is they're just assuming she's like oh yeah cool everything's fine yeah go have he, fun he even says like i love you and there's one other thing and she's like it doesn't matter i yeah. love you too dumb i literally was just like dumb <laughs> I know. I I told you, like, I stopped paying attention and I had to rewind, like, a full minute because it's like, what did I miss? Right. But nothing. You missed nothing. I missed nothing. Because, yeah, episode ends. Music swells. Camera, like, <laughs> swoops out. Episode ends. The romance of it all. Woo. <laughs> My heart. Swoon. No. But, yeah, so that's that's the end. And, like I mentioned, there's only, like, a couple of good quotes, so... I'll let you guys guess um, what my quote is. Um, Yeah. So I am going to go with, um, I have, I have one and then I have a follow, like a runner up. Okay. So I've got, do you have any plans tonight? Yeah. They just don't happen to include you. Okay. And then uh, my runner up is I'm student body president. I'm not Batman. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. Batman quote is the only one that I can even remember. Yes, that one is definitely my quote of the week because it was the only like like f- truly comedic one, you know. Um, and I just like we mentioned, love the idea of Brandon actually being a Batman brand man. 
Um, but runner-up was uh, You're a Snake in the Grass <laughs> by Ray, just because, like, good comeback. <laughs> I also really love when he says, I'm not Batman, and Kelly's like, well, I don't know. I can see you in some tights. They would look better than the baggy suit pants he wears all the time. He does. Like, they make him look so much shorter than he is. He should just make something out of her comforter. Oh, burrito brand man. Oh. <laughs> he just puts it over his head and then like whooshes around <laughs> campus. That's his cape. Oh my gosh. Pillow boy. I love, I it. love it. All right. What was your moment of the week? Was it Batman? I didn't. Yeah. That's have fair. One. That's fair. That's fair. None for this episode. <laughs> None for Gretchen Wieners. Okay, bye. Uh, so I looked up the director for this episode. So it was written by uh, Scott Klein and Jessica Wasserman. Wasserman again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor Lobel is the director, and this is his first directing episode. Hmm. He gets four in season five, one in season six, and one all the way in season ten. Oh, man. Comes back. But what's most important to him is his IMDb overview says, Victor Lobel is a director. He is previously married to Christina Pickles. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And that's... Somebody I should know? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Christina Pickles. Oh, Judy Geller from Friends. Oh. Her last name is Pickles? Her last name is Pickles. Aww. Wow. I had no idea. That is that notable. She was Ross's mom. Christina Pickles. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, what's next week? Uh, next week, we have season five, episode 23, Love Hurts. Interesting. I mean, do you think Donna's going to find out about Valerie? Without looking at the synopsis, perhaps. I could also see something maybe finally happen- happening between Andrea and Jesse. Oh, good point. Love hurts. I mean, it could be a Dylan, Brandon, Kelly triangle kind of a thing. Where, could like, be. Dylan reveals he's still in love with her. Yeah, yeah. It's on the table. I think that's everybody who's in love, question yeah. mark, right now. I'm leaning more towards Donna, the Donna Ray Valerie situation. I think it makes the most sense, mm-hmm. even though Ray's not going to be there. True. Yeah, I wonder how long he's gone. I don't want to look up. I don't either. I don't want to look up Jamie Walters on IMDb and like totally ruin something for myself. Yeah, same. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to find out next week. So until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email of any of your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. I think I do that order differently every single time. But it's fine. But send those over to our email address at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, like, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us. And if you leave us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. And it'll be really cool. So you should do that for us. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I am a bootleg copy of a Hendrix bootleg tape. I'm a snake in the grass. Goodbye. (laughs) I wish I was Batman. Bye. Bye. See ya.